Today's reading is from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of God for the people of God. I've been thinking this week about a teacher of mine from many years ago. When I was in the eighth grade, I had a science teacher who uh, I'm going to call Mr. B uh, today. Mr. B looked exactly the way an 8th grade science teacher was supposed to look. He was just a little guy. He had great big thick Coke bottle glasses and he had this sort of wispy white hair that stuck out from the sides of his head. And Mr. B had a reputation as a tough teacher. There was nothing that Mr. B liked more than a good surprise pop quiz. You never knew when Mr. B was going to walk into the classroom and he was going to say, put away your books, take out your pencils and number a piece of paper from 1 to 10. I lived in fear of Mr. B's pop quizzes. I never wanted to be caught off guard by one of those quizzes, and so I worked hard in eighth grade science class. I took notes in class. I did the readings. I completed all the assignments, and I was holding my own. I was doing all right in in a notoriously difficult eighth grade science class. But then one day, Mr. B walked into the classroom at the beginning of class, and he said, put away your books, take out your pencils, number a sheet of paper from one to ten, just like he had said so many times before. But then Mr. B did something that he had never done before. He said, I've just remembered I left something in the teacher's lounge. Everybody stay put. I'll be back in a minute. And then he walked out of the classroom. And so we all sat at our desks and waited for Mr. B to come back. And as we were waiting, there was a sort of commotion up at the front of the room as some of the students who were sitting in the front rows realized that Mr. B had left his copy of the quiz along with the answer keys sitting out on his desk. And there was a moment of of anxious calculation as, as the students in the classroom did some quick math and tried to figure out exactly how long it was going to take Mr. B to get down to the teacher's lounge and back. And when they figured they had enough time, there was a mad dash of students to the front of the room and a scrum of students gathered around Mr. B's desk and started shouting out the answers to the quiz. Well, of course, I was appalled. 
I was, I was a good United Methodist youth. I was, the, I was the vice president of the church youth group, and I knew what they were doing was wrong, and, and I didn't want to have any part of it, so I put my fingers in my ears, and I, <laughs> I tried not to hear the answers that they were shouting out. But, but then something happened that, that I was not able to ignore. There was a moment when the excitement in the room turned to righteous indignation as the students who were looking at the quiz started saying, hey, there are, there are questions on this quiz that we never covered in class. There are things on this quiz that were not in our reading. There are, there are questions on this quiz that we never covered in any of our assignments. And when I realized what was going on, that changed things for me. Sitting there at the desk with my fingers in my ears, I said, well, how do you like that? You work hard. You, you, you do the, the assignments, you finish the reading, you take notes in class, and then what does the teacher do? He goes and changes the rules. And I said, I am not about to fail this quiz just because the teacher can't fight fair. And so I took my fingers out of my ears, and I started memorizing the answers that people were shouting out. Well, by the time Mr. B got back to the room, we were all sitting back at our desks again. And when he asked the questions of the quiz, we all pretended that nothing had happened. And as we passed those quizzes forward, I had this deep feeling of relief. I felt like I had dodged a bullet. And then when Mr. B had all of those quizzes in his hand at the front of the room, he shuffled the papers and then he looked at us and he said, now, he said, I want you to understand that the quiz you took today was not a test of scientific knowledge. The quiz you took today was a test of your trustworthiness. He said, I intentionally asked you questions on this quiz that I knew you did not and could not have the answers to. If you had the answers, I will know that you cheated. Everyone who failed will pass, and everyone who passed will fail. Well, you can imagine how I felt in that moment. The the only thing worse than knowing that I had failed was knowing that I had let myself down. I learned a lot of lessons in middle school, but of all the lessons I learned, that might be the lesson that that sunk in the deepest and lasted the longest. I learned two important lessons that day. I learned a lesson about life. One of the things I learned that day is that there are more important things in life than winning and passing and getting ahead. Things like integrity and character and trustworthiness. And I learned something about myself that day, too. I learned that I wanted to be a person of character and integrity. I learned that I wanted to be the kind of person who other people could trust. I learned that I wanted to do better the next time. I didn't want to fail that test again. In our gospel reading today, we have a story of testing. Now, this story comes from very early in the ministry of Jesus. At the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, before he preached a single sermon, before he called a single disciple, before he worked a single miracle, Jesus went out into the desert, and there in the wilderness he fasted and he prayed for 40 days. And at the end of those 40 days, when Jesus was famished, when he was at his weakest, when he was most vulnerable physically and spiritually, the devil appeared. And the devil tested Jesus. The devil tested Jesus three times. And the first test wasn't very clever and it wasn't very subtle. The first test was even maybe a little bit on the nose. The devil appeared and he looked at Jesus and he saw that Jesus was hungry after fasting for 40 days. And so the devil said, Jesus, you are the son of God. Why are you sitting here in the desert with an empty stomach? 
God has given you powers. God has given you abilities. Use your powers to turn some of these rocks into loaves of bread. Jesus, feed yourself. Jesus, treat yourself. Jesus, you deserve it and you have the ability to do it. Jesus, turn some of these stones into bread. And Jesus must have been tempted. After fasting for 40 days, Jesus was hungrier at that moment than he had ever been in his life, and he must have been tempted to use his powers to feed himself. But Jesus also recognized this temptation for exactly what it was. Jesus realized that the devil was simply tempting him as the devil had tempted so many other religious leaders for thousands and thousands of years. The Bible is full of stories, history is full of stories about religious leaders who use their power and their position to serve themselves and to satisfy their own hunger. The Bible is full of stories. History is full of stories. The news is full of stories of religious leaders who demanded tithes and offerings from the poor even as they lived in palaces and dressed in fine robes, full of stories of religious leaders who were happy to take a poor widow's last nickel in order to buy themselves a private jet. Jesus recognized this temptation for what it was, and he knew that the way of serving himself was not his way. And so he looked at the devil and he said, It is written, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus passed the first test, but the devil wasn't finished. The devil tested Jesus again. This time, the devil took Jesus to the top of a very tall mountain. And the devil showed Jesus from the top of that mountain all of the kingdoms on earth. And he said to Jesus, I have power and authority over all of these nations. And I can give that power to whomever I choose. I can give you power over all of this, Jesus. And all you have to do is bow down to me. All you have to do is agree to walk in my way. And Jesus must have been tempted as so many other prophets have been tempted by that offer. The Bible is full of stories. History is full of stories about prophets who sold out God in order to gain political power. The Bible is full of stories. History is full of stories of prophets who, instead of speaking the word of God, told people what they wanted to hear so that they could have a place at the king's table, so they could have a weekly phone call from the president. And all of those prophets were able to sleep at night by telling themselves exactly the same thing. They said, think of all the good I can do with all of this access to political power. And Jesus must have been tempted. He must have thought for even just a second of all of the good that he could do in this world with all of that power. But Jesus knew that the power of this world, the ways of political power, were not his way. And so he looked at the devil and he said, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and you shall serve only the Lord your God. And Jesus passed the second test. But the devil wasn't finished yet. He had one more test for Jesus. This time, the devil took Jesus to a place called the pinnacle of the temple. Nobody knows exactly where the pinnacle of the temple was. 
You know, the temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, and so the best that we can do is guess at where the pinnacle of the temple was. Most historians think the pinnacle of the temple was a place where a corner of the temple walls stuck out over the valley below. If that's where Jesus was standing, then from that place, it would have been about a 15 or 16-story drop down to the valley floor below. It would have been like standing on top of the Mott Foundation building in downtown Flint. From that place, Jesus could see the whole of the city and all of its thousands of people. And not only that, but that spot, the pinnacle of the temple, had an important place, a special role in Jewish belief at that time. For hundreds of years, the prophets have been telling God's people that when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah appears, he will reveal himself to us. He will reveal his true identity as he is standing at that very spot. He will stand at the pinnacle of the temple and show us who he really is. As Jesus and the devil are standing there at the pinnacle of the temple, the devil turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, why don't you throw yourself down from here? Why don't you jump out into the air? For it is written, the devil said, that God will send angels to catch you and you won't so much as stub your toe on the pavement down below. And now we're seeing the devil at the top of his game. Now the devil is really giving it his best effort. You see what a, what a subtle and clever temptation this is? The devil is not tempting Jesus to tell a lie. He's tempting Jesus to tell the truth. Jesus, tell people the truth about who you are. Jesus, tell people the truth about why you are here. Jesus, perform a great miracle and let the people proclaim you as the Messiah. Let the people carry you on their shoulders around the streets of the city. Jesus, tell people the truth. Just do it in a self-serving sort of a way. And not only is the devil tempting Jesus to tell the truth, but he is tempting Jesus to justify that. By using scripture, Jesus, you don't have to turn your back on the Bible. You don't have to turn your back on the words of God. Jesus, you can find plenty of justification in scripture for doing what you already want to do. Jesus, jump down from here. Let the people lift you up. Show the people who you are. You can find a passage in the Bible that says it's okay. And Jesus knew exactly what the devil was doing. He wasn't fooled by this third temptation. He knew that the way of being carried on people's shoulders through the streets of the city was not his way. He knew that his way was carrying the cross on his own shoulders. His way was carrying the sins of the world through the streets of the city in order that this world might be saved. Jesus knew that there is no shortcut to salvation. There is no shortcut to the healing of this world. And so Jesus turned to the devil and Jesus said, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And with that, the gospel tells us, the devil went away until a more opportune time. This is such an unusual story. It's such, a, it's such a weird story that raises so many questions. It's one of the strangest stories in all of the Gospels, and the Gospels are filled with strange stories. And there are so many things we could ask and so many conversations we could have about this story. We could talk about this figure, the devil. What do we make of this, this character called the devil? Is the devil a, a literal, spiritual, supernatural being, or is the devil a poetic way of talking about the testing and temptation that all of us face in this world? 
And we can wonder if Jesus was really teleporting himself around the Holy Land. Did Jesus really stand at the top of that mountain? Did he really stand at the pinnacle of the temple? Or did all of this come to Jesus in some sort of a vision? And we can ask the question, how do we even know this story? If only Jesus was there, then who did Jesus tell this story to? Was this a a story that Jesus told about himself? Or was this a story that other people told about Jesus? There are so many questions that we can ask about this story. And these are the things that Bible scholars and theologians have been arguing about for 2,000 years, and they are good questions to ask, and they are good conversations to have as long as those questions and conversations don't distract us, don't keep us from seeing the message at the heart of this story. Because the message at the heart of this story is this. Jesus is the hope that this world has been waiting for. Jesus was able to pass where so many others have failed. Jesus was able to pass where so many religious leaders have failed. Jesus was able to pass where so many prophets have failed. Jesus was able to pass where so many people of faith have failed. Jesus was able to somehow break the cycle of futility and frustration that had kept God's people captive for so many hundreds of years. Jesus is the hope that this world has been waiting for because he has a better way, and that was a message I needed this week. This was a story I needed this week because this week it felt so much like we were once again caught up in that cycle of futility and frustration. This week we all experienced another mass shooting and this one happened close to home at Michigan State University and we heard as the accounts were coming out of what had happened at Michigan State, we heard stories of students on the campus who were experiencing not their first but their second school shooting. There were students at Michigan State University this week who had been at Sandy Hook. There were students at Michigan State University this week who had been at Oxford High School. There were students who have lived this nightmare over and over and over again. And even as we were grieving for what happened at Michigan State, there was another mass shooting, and then there was another mass shooting, and then there was another mass shooting. And it was so easy to feel frustrated and hopeless this week as once again we saw all of the obstacles, all of the things that keep us from finding a solution to this problem. This week it was so easy to see the obstacles, to feel like it was inevitable that once again we would allow our hunger for guns to outweigh the lives of our neighbors and our children. This week it felt inevitable that once again partisan politics would get in the way of real solutions. This week it felt inevitable that we would dress up and hide and justify our unwillingness to act behind verses from Scripture and thoughts and prayers. It was so easy to feel stuck and frustrated and hopeless this week. And I needed this story this week. I needed this reminder. I needed the hopefulness of this story this week. I needed to be reminded that Jesus is able to pass where so many others have failed. That Jesus has taught us a better way. That Jesus is able to break the cycle of frustration and futility. Jesus gives us the courage and the strength that we need to walk in his footsteps. I needed this reminder that the way things have been is not the way that things have to be. And that one day, by the grace of God, we can and we will do better. Let's pray. 
God, we pray for the wisdom and the courage and the strength to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. God, give us the heart that was in Jesus when he resisted the temptation to serve himself. Give us the heart that was in Jesus when he saw beyond political power to resurrection power. Give us the heart that was in Jesus when he took up the cross and sacrificed himself rather than asking others to carry him on their shoulders. God, give us the heart of Jesus that this world might find hope, that this world might find healing, that this world might finally have peace. In Jesus we pray. Amen.